0: You're listening to a podcast of a Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all in again this morning. On a morning when a lot of people decide to just take a day off, you're going to be here in God's presence. Well done, you. Now, did you have a good Christmas? Did you, how was it? Did you get what you were expecting? Yes. One person got what they were expecting. Will anybody tell me what they got for Christmas? Anybody a volunteer? I got for Christmas. No one. Yinka. You got him, man. You beat me to it. You beat me to it, Yinka, because I was going to say just that. That's what I got. My mother, when I, I know I've said this before, but it's worth saying again. When I was growing up, I used to ask my mother, Ma'am, what do you want for Christmas? And she'd say, I just want a bit of peace. And I thought, what a stupid thing to ask for for Christmas. Every year, she'd say the same thing. And then, this year, my children came to me and said, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, I just want a bit of peace. And you know what? Hallelujah, I got peace. (Laughter) I love those undramatic Christmases and it's very nice when we get what we're expecting. If it's a nice thing that we're expecting, isn't that right? It's not very nice if we get what we're expecting when it's a not very nice thing that we're expecting. Expectations is on my mind and expectations I hope is going to be on your mind by the time we finish this meeting today. I want to talk to you about expectations. Because expectations affect and color every single experience you've ever had in your life from the time that you became conscious. When you got married, you had an expectation. When you had children, you had expectations. When you went to school, you had expectations. When you came to church this morning, you had expectations. When you put the toast into the, to- the bread actually was bread into the toaster this morning, you expected it to come out as toast isn 't that right? Yes. You have expectations, and it 's our expectations that fuel so much of what we do. I want to talk this morning about expectations, but I want us to, I'm going to tell you what the punchline is already, okay? You okay for that? I want us to have higher expectations of what God can do, lower expectations of others, lower expectations of others, yes, yes, we'll get to that, and realistic expectations of ourselves. So it's about that. That okay? That' alright. So if anybody is here this morning and they're saying next year, every week, I'm going to fast for two days and I'm going to pray for four hours every day for the entire year, forget about it. Yeah. It's not going to happen unless you're going off to a monastery somewhere. Anybody going to the monastery this year? No, I didn't think so. I want to look at expectations, but let me first give you some insights about expectations. There was an American writer. And, uh, and speaker, his name is Barry Schwartz, and he's a professor, I believe, at Harvard, but it may be Yale. It doesn't matter, a big American university. And he wrote, a book called, um, he wrote a book called The Paradox of Choice, Why Less is More. And in it, he talks about expectations and about how expectations can fuel so much of our experience. And he said this about expectations. I love what he said. He said, if you want to know what the key to a happy life is, it's low expectations. Now, he said it with a smile on his face, because he knows that that's not humans are like. We have a habit of stoking our expectations. But in fact, having low expectations actually really is a key to having a relatively happy life. If you didn't expect anything, well, do you know, things improve. You could, of course, take Alexander Pope's advice. Alexander Pope was an English poet and writer, and he said this. He said, blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed if you expect nothing. If you want to live a life without disappointment, expect nothing. But you know, the Bible teaches that we should expect things. I want to use one last illustration before I get into God's word this morning. And that is an illustration brought by one of my favorite authors, a guy called Clive Staples Lewis, C.S. Lewis, you've heard me quote him a few times. He uses a brilliant illustration in his book, God in the Dock. And in it, he talks about expectation and he talks about happiness and offer. And one of the things he says in his book is this. He said, if you took a group of people and you put them all in the one building and you told half of the people in the building that their building was a hotel and you told the other half of the people that their building was a prison, which one of them in the end would have the better experience? And he said, if you think your life is to be like a hotel where you're to be pampered and looked after and to have the linen changed every day and fed like a king and you're supposed to be getting the the best of luxury out of the world and out of life, you really are setting yourself up for disappointment. However, he said, if you see the world and you see your life as a place of testing, a place of preparedness, a place where God is shaping you and molding you, if you will, a prison, you might actually find that the whole experience wasn't that bad in the end. That in actual fact, you thought, gosh, this is a very comfortable prison as prisons go. But if you think it's a hotel, you could be seriously let down. I'm going to talk about a prison as well this morning. I'm going to talk about a prison in Acts chapter 12. And we're going to start off looking at a crisis in the church. A crisis. The church at this point has been Exploding. Under the apostles, Jesus has returned to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit. The gospel message has been exploding throughout Jerusalem. But finally, they hit a point of crisis. And a point of crisis always tests us and always changes us, doesn't it? If you want to have an easy life and no crisis, you'll never change. But crisis actually have a profound effect on our lives. We get to the point of crisis, and the point of crisis begins in Acts chapter 12, verse 1. May God bless us as we read his word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. It starts off this way. Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church, and he had the apostle James killed with a sword. He had him beheaded. He cut off the heads of one of the apostles. He was trying to stop this movement, and he had one of the apostles' heads cut off. He goes on to say this When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also decided to arrest Peter. Uh oh, what was he going to do to Peter? Well, if he had just beheaded James, I think the reasonable expectation was that Herod intended to do exactly the same to Peter. And that's what Peter knew. And that's what the church knew. And that's what the dogs in the street of Jerusalem knew was going to happen. And so people were worried. A crisis befell the early Christian church in Jerusalem. And it goes on to say this. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. As they prayed for him, they weren't falling asleep on the couch going, Lord, you might just remember Peter. (sighs) They weren't dozing off in the middle of devotions. They were praying very earnestly for Peter, that God would be with him. You can imagine what they were praying. I'm not 100% sure what they were praying. It doesn't record exactly what they were praying. But you can take a wild guess. The guy's in prison. He's potentially under the sentence of death. What were they praying for him? I'd imagine they were praying for him that he would have courage. Maybe that he would be released. Maybe that somehow something would happen and he would get out of jail. Or maybe that Herod would have a leniency on him. I don't know what they were praying. But this is what the story goes on to record. The night before Peter was placed on trial, he was fast asleep. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard outside the prison gate. There were 16 in total. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, get up, quick. And the chains fell off his wrists. The angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. I love this idea that Peter sound asleep when he's sung to sleep the night before he's go to trial, it'll tell you something. He's either exhausted with fear, worry and anxiety, or he's totally living in faith. He's probably somewhere in between the two. And the angel has to shake him to wake up and they tell him to put on his clothes and his cloak to get going. It carries on to say this. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision, aka possibly even a dream. He didn't realize it was actually happening. Like... Peter thought he was having a great dream that an angel was visiting him and he was being released from prison. And I bet you it was the happiest dream he'd ever had. But he didn't realise that what he thought was actually a dream was actually reality. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. What a great phrase. The gate opened all by itself. We have things in our house that do things all by themselves, all the time Who left the fridge open? It was just left open by itself Who left the door open all night? I don't know, it just seems to have done it itself These inanimate objects suddenly become animate. And I love the way that this is told in the story. And part of the way that it's told in the story is for us to begin to listen to it. Because as Luke is writing the story, he's definitely got a sparkle in his eye and a smile in his face. That the gate just opened all by itself, Garda. It opened all by itself. And so they passed through the street and started started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Finally, Peter came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from all that the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Hallelujah. He set free miraculously. Does God still free people miraculously? Yes, he does. God still does incredibly amazing, mind-blowing things. He can do them in my life and he can do them in your life. He can do them in our city. Amen. He can do them in our church. He can do them in our country. And he wakes up and he goes, yeah, this has really happened. He's not actually having a dream. It's actually really happening. And you know, sometimes you wake up from a really good dream. And it's kind of disappointing. Do you ever have one of those dreams? You dream that something really fantastic has happened to you? I won't tell you my dreams because it will reveal the darkness of my soul. <laughs> but you have a dream and you wake up and you go, Oh, why couldn't it have carried on? And the other times you have a dream and boy, you wake up and you're so relieved that that was not your reality. So he wakes and he comes to his senses. And meanwhile, the church are praying. So Peter is sitting in jail he thinks he's going to go for trial. He's expecting to stand trial the following day. And his expectations are dashed in the best possible way. Meanwhile, the church are praying. Because they know that, G- that Peter is in prison. Now they're praying for the impossible. Isn't that right? Can God do the impossible? Yes. Can he do the impossible in your life? Yes. Can he do the impossible in my life? Please say yes. yes. He can do the impossible. But here's the thing about the way that we pray sometimes. We pray to the God who can do the impossible, but at the back of our head, we think that it is improbable. So we go, Lord, I know you can open the eyes of the blind, and you can turn water into wine, and I know that you can separate the sea for the Egyptians, but you probably won't do it for me. Hmm? Don't we sometimes approach in that way? We know God can do the impossible, But sometimes we let the improbable trump the God who can do the impossible. We hear a story of somebody who's really sick. Take your sickness, whatever you're having yourself. And we say, we're going to pray that God will do the impossible and heal them. And yet at the back of our head, we know the statistics say that 90% of the people who have this sickness die young. You know that kind of way? We let the improbable trump the impossible. And so we go back to our story which gets better by the moment. When he realized this, Peter, that he was free, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. So the people that were praying for him are now gathered in the house, and I know a lot of you are familiar with the story, but they're gathered in the house and said, Lord, will you just be with Peter? Will you rescue Peter? Lord, will you just let your hand be upon him? Let him have courage to face whatever is coming. He knocked at the door of the gate, and a servant girl called Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door! So Peter is knocking at the door. Now remember, he's been set out of prison. And he's been gone past 16 guards through three gates. So he's now a prisoner on the run. And he's quietly trying to knock on the door of, John, of Mary's house, John Mark's mother's house. Let me in, let me in. Don't let me in. Don't, I'm here. And they're inside. oh, Lord, have mercy on Peter. Be with Peter, Lord. I'm here, I'm here. And somebody opens the door. And when they open the door, they say, ah, it's Peter. And then they run away and they leave him standing at the door. Ah. An improbable story. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Now, when you go, it must be his angel, what does that mean? It means they thought that he was dead. That's what it means. So when she came in, they're inside, they're praying, Lord, Lord, was you free, Peter? Like, here's the thing: what were they praying for? What were they praying for? And when the answer comes and knocks at the door, they don't believe it. Sometimes we can be like that, can't we? We can come and in prayer and the answer knocks at the door and we don't believe it. No, sisters or brothers, if you're praying for a partner in life, a husband or a wife, and some fella comes knocking at your door, My name is Colin. I'm here to date your daughter. That's not an answer to prayer. I just want to clarify that for the record, okay? If a fella's not willing to brush his teeth and put on some deodorant, you need to stay away from him. But you know, sometimes people don't listen to us when we tell them the good news about Jesus. Sometimes we tell them Jesus is risen and they go, yeah, whatever you have in yourself, you nutcase. Do you know, I want to say to you this morning and I say it to you prophetically, don't stop declaring what God has done. Keep on telling, even if people don't believe you, you've got to keep giving that good news. You've got to keep owning it because people will want you to be quiet. And they they love quiet Christians because quiet Christians are lovely Christians. Oh, he's lovely. They're lovely people until you start telling them the gospel. We'll get to that in a second. They said, You're out of your mind. And when she insisted, they said, It must be his angel. In other words, he must be dead. And the lover goes on to say, Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. Hello? 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 They're looking for me. Hello? I just love this idea that Peter, who's been freed miraculously by the power of God, still has to keep on pounding on the door and tell the people who are praying for an answer to prayer that the answer for prayer is at the door. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quieten down and he told them how the Lord had led him out of prison god still leads people out of prison he leads them out of prisons of doubt he leads them out of prisons of depression and despair he leads them out of prisons of addiction prisons of sin prisons of shame jesus still leads people out of prison hallelujah and some people here this morning you feel like you're in a prison You feel like you're in a prison of fear, or doubt, or circumstances? Believe in the one who opens the prison doors this morning. I say that to you prophetically, that this will be a year of your being liberated. Will anyone say amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to pray for some people, and we're going to pray in a few minutes for that. But I want to talk about this. What were they expecting when they got on their knees, inside John Mark's mother's house, What were they praying for? And when they prayed, did they really expect an answer? Because you know what had happened? When James had been arrested, they prayed for James and look what happened to him. Don't let what you consider to be an unanswered prayer infect your future prayers. Don't let past experience infect your future experience and your future hope. Because you know at the end of the day, you know what expectation is? Expectation is faith. It is what you assume is going to happen. It is your reasonable expectation that what you believe is going to happen will happen. And it boils down to really small things, but it's there in really big things too. That's basically what expectation is. They had prayed for James. James got killed. You no, know, they prayed for Peter. But because of the James experience, they didn't think Peter would be set free. But hallelujah, God had other plans for Peter. And God has unique plans for every single person inside in this hall this morning. Do you know that? Unique plans for every single one of us. What should we expect? Well, I want to look at one or two things that Jesus said that we can expect in life. Is that Okay. We'll take a few moments just to have a look at a couple of things that Jesus said that we should expect. The first thing Jesus said that we should expect, no, I'm not I'm not saying it's the first thing he said, I'm just saying that the first thing I want to bring attention to is this He said this here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. And if you think life is going to be any way different to that, you're mistaken. You're going beyond what Jesus said would be the reality of your experience. There will be trials and there will be sorrows. And Jesus didn't say there'll be the odd one. He said that there would be many. There would be many trials and there would be many sorrows. So if you've got a notion in your head or if you feel that your life is blighted with trials and sorrows, I have good news for you. Jesus said that is exactly what you will have here on earth in this fallen world. But he goes on to say this. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world. So the trials and the sorrows that you suffer, it's okay. Jesus has overcome them. There is a future and a hope for you. That's the first thing he said that we should expect. Maybe a couple of other things that Jesus said we should expect. How's about this one? Rejection. Not only rejection, but persecution and hatred. He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Oh, praise the Lord. Such good news this morning on the 29th of December. But he said, that's what you can expect. People aren't going to go, ah, oh, fantastic. It's all good news. And the Christians are wonderful. And Jesus is a great guy. That's not what's going to happen. People are going to go, you believe what now? You're after joining who? I suppose he sacrificed a goat there on the first Sunday of the year. Do you? You're going to have rejection because of your belief in Jesus. Comes with life. What else did he say? He said that when you are standing trial, when you are identifying as a Christian, when you come out as a Christian, he said, don't worry, I'll give you the words to say. Don't worry about it. I I don't know what to say. Jesus said, don't worry about what words to say because you will be given the very words to say in the moment when you need them. Hallelujah. You'll be given words. Praise the Lord. He says you'll be given power. Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. I just want the power of God there inside my life. He said you will receive power. Does anybody think that's good news? I think that's good news. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Moreover, he said, the Lord, that he would send the comforter in John 14, 6. He would send the comforter. See all those trials and rejections and sorrows. It's okay. He said, I'll send you the comforter. And he's not going to give you comfort. He's not going to come and change your carpets and your couches. He's going to comfort your soul. Amen. Amen. What else? He'll give you provision. That's what you can expect. You can expect rejection, words. You can expect power. You can expect God's provision. See the birds of the air? They don't sow nor reap nor stow into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them, Jesus said. Aren't you so much more valuable than them? And yet God feeds them. What else? He said he would give his presence. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, we, we, do you know what it says? Matthew twenty-eight, twenty-eight? He says, And I will be with you always even to the end of the age right till the very very end whether that is the end of the age of the ages before Jesus returns or whether it's the end of your age in your last days he said I am with you always in Hebrews 13 5 the writer reminds the Christians that God said I will never leave you and I will never forsake you so you can expect that God will never leave you and he will never forsake you you can expect that God's presence will be with you always even to the end of your days that's what you can expect you see it's not going to oh you can just expect all the bad things praise God he's given us so much good stuff as well and of course the other thing that he says you should expect maybe at an unexpected hour is his return in Luke chapter 12 40 Jesus says keep your wits about you, because the son of man will return at a time when you don't expect him He's going to return, brothers and sisters. I love the verse of the song of Praise the Name of the Lord. He shall return in robes of white. Hallelujah. Anybody know the next line? The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints. My face transfixed on Jesus' face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Not the only thing that he said we could expect. This is the other thing, or one of the many things he said we could expect. And this is important. And it's important in the context of the passage we looked at from Acts chapter 12 today. Because Jesus, as it were, elaborates or elucidates that, that very passage in this way. He says this, ask and you can expect it will be, sorry, sorry forgive me, ask and it will be given, yes. Seek and you shall Buy. knock. Now, did Peter ever know that experience? He knocked and the door was finally opened. Because he goes on to say this. For everyone who asks. Everyone who says hi. Is this primary school? No. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks. the, The one who knocks. The door will be opened. It will be opened. How would you like to recite a Bible verse with me? Yes, Yes, I'd like to. Stand up. Let's repeat this verse. Let's fill up our faith. Let's build up our expectation. Will you repeat with me? I'll give you a nice little timbre, I hope, to measure into it. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You see, Peter would have wandered the streets of Jerusalem if he gave up after the first knock. If He he would have wandered the streets of Jerusalem if he'd given up after his first knock. Instead, he kept knocking. And I want to challenge you. I want to say to you, you need to keep on knocking. You need to keep asking. You need to keep on seeking. You see, because that, that's, that's what I want. I know, I know the breakthroughs that I need in my life. I know the things that I want. But you know what I really want to do? I want to raise my expectation of what God can do. And in this story, we read clearly that the expectation of what God can do was on the floor. The ex- expectation of what people could do was on the floor. And even the expectation of what Peter himself could do was pretty well on the floor. And yet God wants us to raise our eyes and our expectation of him. Can he do something new in your life? Can he give you the breakthrough? Can he set free that person that is in prison in your life? Can he set you free from the prison you're in? Here's what Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. That's the expectation we need to rise to. I need to rise to it. You need to rise to it. And I want to pray this morning. Say, Lord, would you help me to raise my expectations of what you can do in my life? And I want you to hold before your mind. Let's just close our eyes just for a second. Is there someone in your life that is in a prison? Somebody's in a prison of fear, in a prison of doubt, in a prison of depression or despair, in a, depression, in a prison of addiction. Do you believe this morning that God can set them free? Yes. If you want to bring that person before the Lord, will you raise your hand? Maybe it's you yourself. Maybe you are the person. Maybe you are the person this morning. You want to say, Lord, will you set me free from this prison of doubt and despair, of fear, of addiction, of trouble, or of trial? We're going to pray in just a moment. And the other thing I want to pray is, who wants to pray? Lord, would you raise my expectations? Lord, would you help me raise my expectations of what you can do? Can I ask the band to come up? The band are going to come up, and we're going to sing the song, Water You Turned Into Wine. You open the eyes of the blind. He's our God, and there's no one like him let me ask you finally what are you expecting in 2020 are you expecting breakthroughs are you expecting the prisoners to be set free are you expecting God's comfort are you expecting God's provision in your life we're going to sing let's raise our hands to heaven let's raise our hands to heaven if you have say that you want to pray for somebody who's in prison this morning if you want to pray for somebody this morning, maybe it is yourself who is in a prison and needs to be set free today. Let's bring that person before the Lord this morning. and I'm going to ask you to leave your chair and come forward as we sing. Let's bring that person before the Lord and say, Lord, would you set this person free from whatever it is that they're imprisoned with? Maybe it's despair and doubt or fear or depression or anxiety or addiction. Let's bring those people before the Lord. And if it is for yourself, you want to say, Lord, will you raise my expectations of what you can do in my life and through my life? If that's your prayer and you want to bring it seriously before the Lord as we are here on the last Sunday of 2019, as we prepare to cross over the threshold into a new year, let's bring that prayer before the Lord. But let's build up our souls as we sing and declare, Water, you turned into wine. Turn into wine. Open the eyes of the blind, there's no one like you, there's none like you, into the darkness you shine, out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you, there's none like you. God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. If you're praying for somebody and maybe it's yourself who's in a prison this morning you recognize their prison they may not even recognize it but you're praying for somebody who's trapped and imprisoned this morning would you raise that person before the Lord in your two hands I love when Jesus stood up in the synagogue he said the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and to declare the year of God's favor let's pray Lord Jesus you know Those of us who are praying for others, do you know those of us who are praying for ourselves? Lord, whether it's for ourselves or for others, our prayer this morning, Lord, is that those that we love and long for who are in prison would be set free in Jesus' name. Lord, by your power, would you break addiction? Would you break despair? Would you break doubt and depression and fear, Lord? Would you break ill health, Lord, or financial insecurity, Lord? Lord, would you set people free in Jesus' name this morning. And we bring ourselves before you, Lord. You know our situations, Lord. You know the prisons that we're in, Lord. And I pray this morning that we would be set free ourselves, Lord Jesus. Would you break the spirit of doubt that lies over so many heads and hearts in Jesus' name. Lord, would you renew us with a spirit of faith, Lord. With a spirit of true, deep, profound expectation this morning. Lord, would you give us the courage to be like Rhoda, the servant girl who saw Peter, who was the first to see the answer to prayer, who was the first to see the deliverance of Peter, Lord. Lord, I pray, would you give us, Lord, the spirit like Rhoda, Lord, that though others would tell us to be quiet, we'd speak up in Jesus' name, that we would declare your truth in Jesus' name, that we would declare your promises in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just wanna pray that some people this morning, you realize that you've been surrounded by people who are very negative. They're speaking very negatively of you and of your situation and of your faith. We use the term in Ireland, we refer to these people as being knockers, people who just knock everything. Some people are just cynics, they knock everything. Oh yeah, you're a Christian, and they just knock it. Oh yeah, you've had a breakthrough, "Ah, they just knock it. They're cynics, they have faith for nothing. But I want to pray today that we will still continue praying for those who are knocking and that we would have wisdom to know how to deal with them and know how to have words to deal with them. If that's your reality, would you raise your hand just for a moment? We're nearly closed. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, we pray for those with the negative voices around us, Lord. We pray that our ears would be stopped to their negative criticism. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't let their noise become our silence Lord Jesus but Lord we would still declare what you can do, what you are doing and what you're going to do in our lives and in the lives of others I pray Lord we'd still declare the name of Jesus and we pray Lord that your promise that you would give us the words to speak would be fulfilled in our lives, that we would have testimonies of the Holy Spirit giving us the very words to speak to unlock a situation in Jesus mighty name Give us wisdom and let your protection be around us in Jesus' name. Lastly, let's pray for our expectations. Loosely translated, it's our faith. Let's pray that our faith will grow. That our faith will rise and our expectations will rise in this coming year. Will you raise your hands if that's your prayer? Let's raise them high. Let's raise our hands as high as we'd like our expectations to go. Lord Jesus, we pray, Lord, as we go from this Sunday, that this would be our prayer in the coming year lord that we would see our faith rise lord that our expectations of what you can do in our lives would rise lord lord that instead of looking down we would look up to him who is the author and the finisher of our faith lord lord instead of looking continually at the improbable we will lift our eyes to the one who can do the impossible in jesus name lord we pray as we go out of here today into the coming week lord would you do the impossible in our lives, Lord? Confound the cynics. Confound the critics. And let us see your glory and your power at work in our lives in this coming week. In Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. God bless you and go with you, brothers and sisters. The guys are going to close at music. Don't forget we're here on New Year's Eve at half past seven and half past ten. God bless you and go with you today.